1: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. My husband and co-host Scott sitting next to me, and we have a special guest today. And I know we say that every time because we only have special people on our show. And this special guest, her name is Janet Brome. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Okay. She is a brain fitness enthusiast who wants to help you maintain your brain for life. Janet helps others understand the importance of implementing brain fitness practices into their everyday lifestyle. So welcome to the show, Janet.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here, Becky.
1: What led you to being so enthralled in the brain function?
0: You know, when I think back in time, it probably all started with my cousin, Tom. He was deaf and with a very limited intellectual ability. Um, His mom, my aunt, was exposed to rubella, German measles, when she was pregnant with him. And we lived in New York. Um, He was two years younger than I, and he had this an affinity for me. I don't know why, but we connected. And he wanted me to read to him all the time. And he would hold my mouth and my throat with his hands so that he could feel the vibration. And he really only learned a few signs. Only my aunt learns a few signs. He went to a special school for the deaf. And as I watched how kids on the playgrounds would treat him, it just hurt me that they would make fun of him and it just, it really cut me to the core. And I think that's what really developed my interest in helping kids with special needs. And so I knew from a very young age in high school, I volunteered and then I went into special education and I graduated with my degree in special education. I taught kids with special needs for quite a few years. And I was fascinated with the different aspects of brain and development. And then when children are born with different types of limitations, how do you overcome that? Or how can you help them to achieve to their highest um, or best ability? And with some, it's just extremely challenging. And with others, it's just a matter of coaching them and, and supporting them and really encouraging them with parents' help, of course. And then I started looking at my grandmother who had dementia. And I thought, gosh, you know, this is This is really sad to see people losing their abilities as they got to the end of their life. And as I was teaching and encouraging my children and their parents to really help them, I um, became interested in teaching adults. I thought, okay, I can help children, but I really want to help more children. And the way to do that is to teach those who want to be teachers. And so that's what I did for the last 17 years of my career was teach at the community college in Salt Lake City. And I loved that, teaching different courses relating to different abilities and also teaching about lifespan development. So womb to tomb, you know, how does the brain develop in infancy and early childhood, which is the prime ages for developing brain? and all of the different connections, making a rich environment. And there's lots of things we could talk about related to that. But on the end of the life spectrum, you see how the brain starts to decline. But in between, what can we do to really help keep our brain functioning at its optimum? And that's the sweet spot that I really enjoy teaching people about. What can we do and how can we do it? And that's why I love to teach people about maintaining their brain. And that's where we are.
1: Yeah, this is something that I really am excited to, to learn about, how to help my brain, because I have a lot of senior moments.
0: Oh, it, I think we all do. It seems more
1: and more, <laughs> I'll, I'll go into a room and I'll think, okay, why did I come in here? I know I came in here for a specific reason. Why did I come in this room? And I hate that.
0: We all do that. I mean, Scott, I'm sure you do that.
2: No, I've never done that. Oh, okay, well,
0: <laughs> you just forgot what you forgot, right? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. a normal thing for anybody at any age. Even young children, you'll see that they forget what they were supposed to be doing. Or you might see them doing something that you go, what are you doing? And they'll be opening their mouth and sticking their tongue out while they're cutting with scissors, you know, yeah. it's like that helps. <laughs> or doing their fingers in the scissor motion uh-huh. as they're cutting. And the other hand, I go, how do you do that? But, or rotating a foot while you're brushing teeth. Have you ever noticed anybody doing that? It's, it's this whole kinesthetic thing, but it, help, it actually helps the brain. But going into a, another room and forgetting, there are things that we can do to help that. And that is to repeat what it is you're going for out loud. I'm going for the box of Kleenex. And then when you get there, go, okay, box of Kleenex, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> rather than what? my mother in
1: and Scott's yeah. going to wonder, who are you talking to as I'm walking through the house? Myself.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mother-in-law had put a carton of ice cream in the cupboard instead of the refrigerator, instead of the freezer, and it was several hours later that she noticed that mistake. And so we all do funny things like that. It's just part of aging that we, and it's not even so much the aging process, it's that we are overwhelmed with too many things that we're thinking about stress and you do have a large family and i'm sure you're constantly thinking about your kids and your grandkids mm-hmm. and all the things you need to do and our mind gets so preoccupied that it's hard to focus on the one thing so that's called multitasking but not in a good way
1: right i have a problem with shutting down my mind at night to well, be let able me to help you sleep to learn how to do yes. that
0: that is a very typical detriment to our fast-paced society. And the counting sheep usually doesn't work, but meditation is one of these practices. And this, so I have seven basic practices that will really help maintain the brain and even help reverse some of the aging. And Meditation and stress reduction is key. Uh, I started meditating in college back in the 70s, and, which followed the 60s, you know, and I'm <laughs> sure you don't remember that, but it was a, a very interesting time. And so early in the 70s, I noticed when I was in college, I had a huge, huge problem with concentration. I would read a passage and my eyes would skip back and I'd read the same passage and I didn't get it. I, it just wasn't going in. And so I heard about this meditation class. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to sign up for this. And it was amazing because within a month, my concentration was incredibly different. And so I did that practice for years and then I got married and had kids and it's like, okay, everybody else first and didn't take the time to do the meditation. Started noticing later, decades later, I really need to start doing that again. And once I started, it was really difficult because of all these interruptions. But that's one of the key things. If you can start a meditation or guided imagery, guided meditation, there's lots of apps now, makes it so much easier. Yeah. So I would suggest that.
1: Yeah, I've downloaded a couple of, of apps onto my phone and I've used them in, at night to try to fall asleep uh-huh. and also in the, in the morning to it's try to. It's a great way to, to wake up
0: and start your day. Yes, yep, absolutely. Well, keep doing it, make <laughs> it a habit.
2: Because uh, my brain just totally quits. I mean, I, when I need it most is when it quits. That's, that's when I get in front of people. Or, it just you know, stops. Like, just what was stop. I going to say? What was I going to say? Yeah. But the, the thing that Becky talks about going to sleep at night, I, I fall asleep just instantly. I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted. I hit the pillow and I'm I'm. Out. I'm envious. But... <laughs> Um, then 530 in the morning, I wake up, not because my brain's going crazy, but because I need to go to the restroom because I'm old, right? <laughs> and so I get up and I go there and I come back. And then when I lay down, I've had enough sleep that now my brain's very active. It's wanting to talk. It's wanting to think. It's wanting to converse with me and explain all the you know, problems of the world. And I sit there uh, and I can't get back to sleep because my mind's just racing. And so I do the thing that's totally wrong is I turn on the news or I turn on the TV. And as soon as I start watching something and my brain can focus on that, then boom, I'm lights out again. But I can't go back to sleep until I can get rid of all the, the racing that's going on in my mind.
0: That's interesting. Have you tried journaling all that stuff just to get it out?
2: I should. I should. I, it. I, it's, it's, it's
0: just one technique. It,
2: it's probably uh, yeah, That'd the, be a good
0: All technique. the spirits mm-hmm. of the world
2: trying to tell me great things that are going to be you know helpful, and I just try to shut them down.
0: Yeah, uh, or even just jot them, you know, a few ideas down, and then move on. You know, if you want to watch TV, fine. But it just depresses me when I turn the TV on. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Maybe
2: I fall asleep better in depression mode then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you have started exercising at the gym, I have, yes. That's awesome. And that's another thing to do, of course, regular exercise. And I know, Becky, you have set that as a goal too. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Many of us set that goal over and over and over again to start again, but keeping active is one of the key things to keep the brain active, getting that oxygen flowing to the brain. And in our schools, if they would just increase recess instead of decreasing it, we would see better results, not just in testing, but in in performance, but also in children's actual learning because their brain cells will develop better if they have the oxygen and all the nutrients that are flowing. Just appalls me that
2: we're cutting recess out. I yeah. yeah. always thought the same thing. We need longer recesses and longer lunch.
0: Yes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we do.
2: What in the heck? Yeah. But I had probably different reasons for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. What was that? But um, it could
2: have been helpful. Shooting marbles. and Yeah. I love marbles. Part. Of yeah. Yeah, the socializing. yeah.
0: But social is another one of the key things, keeping social and having social context, communication with others. And as we age, we tend to isolate ourselves more, um, especially single people or widows widowers or those who have never married tend to be more independent but yet isolation is not a good thing for the brain um, it can lead to depression and there's a program called the blue zones i don't know if you've heard of that but there's different areas around the world that have centenarians, people who live to be 100 and older. And so they've studied what is it that these groups of people do? And there's some cultural things that are very interesting. And one is that they stay social. Okinawa they you know these 100 year old people get together and have lunch together or they just get together regularly check up on each other ikaria which is a little island in greece same thing they get together they they sleep in i mean here's the life they sleep in they have a simple breakfast of maybe some whole wheat bread and honey and some tea and then they do a little gardening or they go into town and then they have a late lunch with friends and they're active, and many of them are gardening and you know, taking care of goats and just keeping very active. And they don't stay up really late, but they are living to be over 100. They also have fresh, clean air to breathe, and I think that's one of the key differences Here in the Salt Lake Valley, we have really horrible air, especially in the winter. That's one thing that I hope we can correct because that's something that's key, not just for our lung health, but for our brain too. So, exercising that's a given. Everybody needs to exercise. Nutrition, eating right. I know you guys try to eat right, and there are some really awesome ways online that you can get all kinds of recipes, whether you just want to eat more natural or go paleo or whatever, but eating. And I know that you do eat meat, and that's great when you can go right to the source and get it fresh from nature.
2: That's the the thing that I tell people. I try to eat things that are close to the hoof, close to the ground, and close to the root, you know, or the tree branch. And so things that haven't been processed, yeah, that is close to those. But, yeah, you're right, even the hoof doesn't always necessarily mean you're getting the best nutrients because there's so many hormones and different things put in, in animals so they'll grow faster and quicker and not have to put so much feed into them to get the final result. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm an outdoors guy. That's what yeah. we live on.
0: Well, you know what you're getting.
2: Yeah, we know what we're getting. And yeah. do you eat fish? I do eat fish, yes. We both like fish a lot.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. fish is really great for yeah, us.
2: Yeah. Well, like, I think it's uh, red meat and uh, and salmon and stuff. I, produces arginine and arginine produces um, nitric oxide nitric oxide then emulsifies the arteries and then that cleans the rows of the of the brain so it's like the corn rows the the water doesn't get to the end of the row that corn dies and it's the same with our brain from what i understand yes that if that blood doesn't get to the end of those rows if it starts to clog up then those neurons those, die they just die yeah and you can't get them back right and so it's important to uh, yeah, feed our body nutrients that are going to do the right things in the body.
0: And even though we know this, practicing it is very difficult sometimes. We have a highly processed nature in our food supply. Going to the grocery store, I've been told if you shop the outer perimeter, you're going to get more fresh things except the bakery, you know, that's like <laughs> avoid the bakery, <laughs> but you know, your, your meat and your dairy, but yet you don't know what's in that exactly. stuff unless you're doing organic, organic. and it's, organic. you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's too expensive, but you know, I'd rather pay up front than later on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know.
2: It's funny. You mentioned about, uh, older people, uh, what do you call them? Centennials?
0: Centenarians.
2: Centenarians. Okay. Yesterday was my sister-in-law's aunt's hundred and second birthday.
0: Wow. That's and, great.
2: And she still goes three days a week uptown and works at the genealogy.
0: That's LA. amazing. Yeah.
2: Three days a week. She, she gets the on the bus. bus and drives mm-hmm. up, there, Good or, for or her. up there and she's totally independent, lives in her own house and doesn't have anybody helping her. And just 102 years old. That's yesterday. great. Yeah. Well,
0: that goes along with one of the other practices. And that is to learn something new, keeping the brain constantly learning. And so by doing genealogy research, you're learning. Whether it's, you know, because it's never monotonous. There, there's always something new with that. Uh, learning a new language is probably one of the best ways to enhance the brain. It's very difficult, especially as we're older, because we've patterned our brain for that, however many languages we, we are proficient in. But learning a new language, and you heard about doing crossword puzzles. Yeah, that helps, but it's not like the ultimate brain smart type of activity. So just doing anything new or doing something in a different way, trying to brush your teeth with your other your non-dominant hand. That's hard. Yeah, just trying to do something different than you normally do so that it patterns a different part of the brain. And that actually does create some new pathways. So just try new things, try learning new things, try things in a different way. One of the other things that we want to talk about is sleep. And Becky talked about having a hard time getting to sleep, but getting enough good sleep. So what about the electronics that we are really, it's part of our day you know, our lives. Use the word addiction. Well, it, for some, it is an addiction mm-hmm. and it is very addictive. There's something about yeah. that blue light that I don't know what it is, but the blue light changes the wavelengths in the brain. And so if we can turn that off any electronics, TV our iPhones or, you know, smartphones, our laptops before bed but we're talking at least a half an hour before bed so not checking the emails or facebook right before bed even though i'm guilty of that it's like mm-hmm. well just one more time you know i just want to see if anybody else has posted yeah. on my post you know <laughs> it's like it's not that big of a deal you can wait till morning but it really does help the brain to shut down if we turn that blue light off at least a half an hour maybe having some uh, herbal tea that will help calm us or whatever it is doing meditation late at night or just some deep breathing or some yoga, some gentle yoga, not the hot yoga or something Mm -hmm. that's going to, you know, totally get you buzzed. But I do think that if we take the time to put our mind into the, the whole routine of now it's time for bed. So what do I do? Just like we did when our kids were little, we had a routine. And so half an hour before, maybe 45 minutes before start winding down, and getting your things ready for tomorrow, which includes getting your brain ready. When you sleep, you're actually increasing your brain capacity. It downloads all of the stuff from the day, and you need that time so that it can actually process, and then you can actually recall it better the next day. When students are studying and pulling all-nighters, they're not helping themselves. I've done that, and it's like, I couldn't recall anything for my chemistry test. It was, that was the most horrible experience of my life. I, that was the only D I ever got and I, <laughs> on one test. And I, it's like I was a failure, but it was because I was pulling an all-nighter. And I know that if you repeat and constantly you know, read your notes over and over again in little spurts, you're going to retain it much better. And then you'll also be able to recall it better. So getting sleep is critical, not just for people as we're aging, but also for students.
1: These are fantastic tips. So we've talked about exercise, importance of
0: being social and nutrition, sleep. So there's three more. Well, knowing your numbers, going to your doctor, medical doctor, and getting your your blood tests and knowing what your important numbers are, your blood pressure, your cholesterol. um, Make sure that those are in check. And if you have to be on medication for it, there's no shame in that. You need to really take care of yourself. Um, AC1 for men and... All of these things will help us, as we age, to stave dementia. Now, there is no cure for Alzheimer's. They're working on it. But that is a type of dementia. And the thing is that if we eat right, if we sleep right, if we exercise, if we stay social, if we learn something new, if we take the right supplements, we know our numbers, we keep that under under check, and we're constantly learning new things, we should be in good shape for a much longer time. I love that about your the aunt, who. The aunt, yeah. It's 102, crazy, huh? yes, yeah. but I've seen people who are really, really old and very active, and then others who are y- much younger and are much older. You know, chronologically they're younger. Right. But, and I look at my parents. My mom's in a nursing home now with dementia. It's, it's horrible. She can't talk. It she, is. She just cannot converse. And my dad is still living independently and shouldn't be, and still driving and shouldn't be at 90 years old. But he's starting to decline cognitively too. He's not social. In fact, he's, I think he's antisocial. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, i, I got to tell you a story um, along these same lines because this is a story I res- resonate with it's about these these two couples and they they got together one night and, and they were sitting in the front room talking and, and laughing and after dinner and the and the two women they got up and went in the other room and they were kind of cleaning things up a little bit and the guys were just sitting there gabbing and the and the one guy said to the other he says hey have you been down to that new restaurant around the corner just down the street a couple blocks and he says he says no he's what restaurant are you talking about and he says oh he says i can't think of the name of it he says it's just down around the corner and he says, well, tell me the name. And he says, I can't think of it. And he keeps thinking, he says, what is the name of that restaurant? And finally, he says, oh, he says, what's that flower that's a really pretty flower, smells good, and it has the sharp thorns on it? And he says, oh, a rose. Yeah. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant down around the corner? <laughs> that, that's where I'm at half the time. <laughs>
0: It's all about association, and as long as you've got a rose to ask, you're fine. (laughs) I'm sure Becky will have your back. (laughs) There you go. That's great, but I do think also keeping a sense of humor, like you have, Scott, really helps. As we age, we have to laugh, and and laughter, as I say, is the best medicine. It helps with endorphins, and you really—they're the feel-good. Hormones as we laugh, and so find something funny, do something funny, listen to some funny comedians, and you know one of our favorites is Jason Hewlett. You know he's hilarious. He is hilarious, and there's so many others that are clean and uplifting and yet humorous. And if we don't laugh at ourselves, life is just you know, as they say, too short. But let's make it longer and better by taking care of our brain. And that's my goal is to help people understand it's not inevitable that you're going to have a decrepit brain. So many people just say, oh my gosh, when I get to be that age, you know, and I don't want to go to a nursing home and I hope my kids don't put me in a nursing home. Well, do everything you can to stay out of that nursing home. You, we have the power to do that. And it's all a matter of choice, really. I mean, obviously some people have brain injury and that's even more of a struggle but it doesn't mean that the rest of the life has to be decrepit because we're not doing anything to help repair or at least maintain what we do have. And we should be doing everything we can to help ourselves so that we can help others. And one, one last thought that I had, we talk about intelligence and intelligence is so much more than an IQ. And I always like to refer back to the Um, The thought of the glory of God is intelligence. And if we are God-like creatures, we need to be doing everything we can to build our intelligence. And that includes helping our brain so that we can function and so that we can serve other people.
1: In closing, let our audience know how they can look you up and find
0: more information about this. Well, I have a a website, janetbrome.com, B-R-O-H-M. Com.
2: Well, go. thank you very much.
0: Thank you for having me, thank Scott you. and Becky. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye, everybody.
2: Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If
0: you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us. And please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.